0: welcome to the wa property q a the podcast where i explore the ins and outs of buying property in western australia i'm your host peter fletcher and each week i interview local property experts to help you to develop a deep understanding of the nuances of buying property in wa from market trends to legal considerations no topic is off limits but before we dive in a friendly reminder while we provide valuable information It's important to note that nothing discussed in this podcast should be construed as personal investment advice. Always remember to seek the appropriate professional advice for your specific circumstances. Now, let's get started and unlock the secrets to successful property buying in WA. Well, welcome to another episode of the WA Q and A Property Podcast, and today I'm with none other than Jamie Harrington. Uh, Jamie Harrington is the principal of Hub Residential. Where are you now, Jamie?
1: In Claremont. We moved after in, twenty years in Swanbourne. We've recently moved to in the heart of Claremont.
0: Yes, and uh, Jamie's been around. How long have you been selling real estate in and around the western suburbs, Jamie?
1: Ah, uh, twenty-three years. Yep, twenty-three short, long years.
0: Twenty-three. Yeah. So, and how how have you found things in the western suburbs over that time? What what have you experienced?
1: There are cycles, but the demand never goes away. Mm-hmm. There is always people looking, and it's a it's a term aspirational suburbs. People are, are looking to to move there, mm-hmm. so there is always demand regardless of market conditions. There are always buyers looking to buy there, and renters looking to rent there. People mm-hmm. want to live in the western
0: suburbs, mm-hmm. and so today I, I want to really unpack what's going on in the Western suburbs. You know, how's, the, how's the market in the Western suburbs? So when you're at a barbecue, what is the most common question that people ask you? How's the market? And what's your answer?
1: The market's great. Mm-hmm. The market is, we've just been through a surge. Post-COVID, we, it depends on what suburb, it's somewhere between 30 and 50% growth. We're still lagging the Eastern States in saying that, but the market is strong. Every property that we have for sale, regardless of price point, we have lots of inquiry. Mm-hmm. Lots of inquiry. In fact, I'm thinking of one last week, 10 days, uh, a townhouse in Daglish, 10 days on the market, over 90 genuine inquiries. 90? 90. 90. Nine zero. Yes.
0: Wow. And d- did you open the home? Twice. Yeah. And how many, how many people came through the home? those home opens?
1: Uh, it would have been mid-30s, so a lot of inquiry, but when they got the price point price guide that Mm. discouraged some so it was a you know it was premium it was premium property and premium price and so what happens is is that that discouraged some buyers and the the genuine ones came along and it was a multiple buyer situation we set a date in the end and it was hotly contested
0: Mm. and that's that's for a townhouse in Daglish yes wow
1: and by the way the only property for sale in Daglish
0: the only property for sale right
1: so it's strong. So to answer your real question, a barbecue response is the market is strong, mm-hmm. and the market is strong across price points.
0: So there's no there's no like sweet spot in the market.
1: The most sought after property is the family homes, and the surprise or the sleeper for me, and what's gathered momentum over the last few years is apartments. Apartments are finding their feet. Really? Yes, they are. So, and that's across price points as well. I think that the mindset of You know, the general West Australian is changing. Um, You know, 10, 15 years ago, it was a hard sell. Now, I look forward to them.
0: Really? Mm. Okay. So I I was talking to uh, Derek Baston, who's a a real estate agent in Victoria Park. And uh, my experience with property in and around Victoria Park, and I've got a fair bit of experience, is that apartments were on the nose. They were a listing that real estate agent's traditionally didn't really want, they, yeah, well, they'd take them on, but they didn't care if they didn't get them. And Derek said, well, no, that's not the case anymore. They're selling. And and you're saying the same thing in the Western suburbs. Yes, I am. So it's
1: it's a change in attitude towards apartment living. And I, I think what happens is it's, a, it's also a price point too. So it's entry level into the area. So you've got a lot of young people looking to live there. Um, convenience is a major thing for them. Um, having a backyard to you know is not necessarily something that they all want. Uh, we've all, also got a lot of people coming in from overseas who are used to living in apartments. So they come and they're quite happy to buy an apartment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is it's certainly changing attitudes.
0: As I've been thinking about the market, I've been calling it a, a returns-driven market where a lot of the demand for these sorts of properties are coming from investors. But what you've just said is that that's not the case. It's coming from owner-occupiers. Is that a fair... Assessment,
1: a fair assessment. Yes, more owner occupiers. The apart- the, uh, the investors are reasonably light on the ground. We're seeing a return, but not. You know, we're not being bowled over by the investors. I-, I think there's over a number of years they've been discouraged from the market. So really, yes. I'd, I mean the, the statistics support that. I mean in terms of um, our rent rolls is a classic example. I mean a lot, a lot of our owners are considering selling. I mean it's even though rents have gone up and they have gone up. You know, we were talking to our property managers this morning um, the, to the tune of sort of 40% in the last, or well, since COVID really, so the last three years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course, interest rates have gone up and if people have holding costs. It's all of a sudden the rents haven't kept pace with their holding costs. And of course, legislation is always threatening to, well, it's not encouraging investors, let's put it that way. Mm. So yeah, we're not seeing a, a lot of investors buying. We're looking at some offloading. A lot of our apartments are going to first home buyers, a lot of them.
0: So that's almost in the Western suburbs, a reverse returns driven market where the returns aren't great and people are saying, well, we're just going to get out of the market and we'll put our money where the returns are.
1: Mm. In fact, I just had one of our biggest investors within our our company, our portfolio of of properties who has said, "Uh, Jamie, let's just move on bottom part of the portfolio too much trouble, too much effort, not enough return. Mm -hmm. I'm better off going and putting those funds in a managed fund uh, where there's a a better return and no heartache.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Couldn't argue with it. Yeah. You mentioned
0: before about the entry level into the Western suburbs. Mm -hmm. Um, What does that look like? What what number are we talking?
1: One bedroom apartments around Mm 500,000. So nice apartments. We're looking at in fact, in saying that, I'm, I'm talking about what's most often sold. There is less than that. You, you can get the the one-bedders, the one bedders for sort of mid-300s um, in, in the older 1960s and 70s buildings. Yes. Uh, but for the most part, if you want a, a nice newer property, it's around 500000 for the one-bedrooms.
0: hmm And so that's what people are looking to, if they want to get into the western suburbs, just get their foot in. That's what they're going for.
1: The old traditional property ladder. Get in.
0: Yeah. Is there any sort of property over there that is on the nose that not people don't really want?
1: Land. Wow. So yeah. land, <laughs> for all the reasons we've all, we're all hearing about in the media, builders yeah. are under pressure. You know, I, what was it last week? Builder a week is going under. Yeah, yeah. So you're signing a, a, a contract and, of course, builders are reluctant to sign fixed price contracts, as they should be. So you're really signing a blank check to build and you don't know how long it's going to take to build. So it could be two, it could be three, I've heard even four years uh, to build. So land, I've sold land that's now back on the market. Uh, Simple fact is people have gone to the builders and said this is just all too hard. The other one would be properties that need an awful lot of work. So fundamentally when there's building involved, that's where we're seeing less demand.
0: I read an article by Mel James who is a, like he's, I would call him, a property guru in Melbourne. He's a buyer's agent, but he's also a selling agent. He, he runs a, a company called James Buy Sell. Very, very fascinating character, really interesting character. And, and one of the the observations he made about the the Melbourne market is that it kind of punishes anything that needs a lot of work. Like he, and, and it goes the other way, that it rewards properties that are, are beautifully presented, that it's all finished and you just move in. So that And that's what's happening in the Western suburbs? That
1: would be a fair assessment, yes. Yeah. Presented beautifully, homes there's nothing to do, that's where the premium price prices are being achieved. Mm-hmm. That's it.
0: Are people bringing properties on the market that are a bit ratty?
1: Not on my recommendation. Yes. Uh, I would suggest they spend a little too, because uh, the returns are there. So you're having to discount your property, basically. I mean, of course, we're talking in general terms. Um, you'll be discounting your property if you don't bring it to the market in its tip-top shape.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. so ratty properties properties that need work and land on the nose if somebody had time on their hands time on their side would you say that buying a block of land and sitting on it would be a strategically smart move
1: yeah i think it would yeah if you can afford to do that yeah I mean, not everyone can can do that and most people are in the market to do something now not many people land banking mm-hmm. um are you buying it, tucking it away to do something later with it? Not many. I mean, there are some. Um, so, yes, it, it's a difficult one. There's not many people that would do that. I think in time, of course, they're not making any more land, so it's it's going to keep going up in value. And as as the pressure comes to, to h- increase density, I think holding land is a great way to go, uh, but you've got to be able to do
0: it. And is there much in the way of uh, development happening over in, in the western suburb?
1: There are some apartment blocks happening, <laughs>
0: um,
1: but they tend to be bigger. The rezoning through Nedlands has seen lots of townhouses uh, being built and they get snapped up very quickly. Mm-hmm. So that, that medium density is the, the gap in the market in the Western suburbs. And I think it's the gap everywhere uh, where people coming off bigger properties uh, who are wanting not necessarily apartment, even though, of course, I've talked about apartments are, are attractive, but for a particular segment. Uh, people coming off the bigger blocks in Dalkeith and Nedlands and Peppermint Grove, they don't necessarily want to go into an apartment. They want something between the two. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the medium density sort of villas and townhouses.
0: Is there any small, smaller density stuff, you know, house behind house going on? In these local suburbs around here, it's like, that's the thing to do. But I kind of gather that doesn't happen so much over in the Western suburbs.
1: No, it tends to be knock over and redevelop. Yes. You can get three instead of two. Um, you can just and you can build a better
0: product. Yeah, you can build a better product. I think that's important. And that's meeting your demand from you, you know, your ideal customer. They don't want sort of something that's a bit
1: half-baked. No, I mean, mm. ideally, they'll have three bedrooms, your two bathrooms, your main living, your main bedroom downstairs, and, and two living areas. Mm. So that's the profile of what people are basically looking for.
0: Mm. Someone said to me recently, oh, I've I've heard that, the markets coming off in, uh, well, prices are going down in the western suburbs, and I went, mm, well, that's the first time I've heard it. First time I've heard it too. Yeah. So just uh, wrong.
1: Look, it's it's wrong. Yeah. So what you've got a here.
0: bit of tall poppy syndrome, you'd suspect,
1: and and short term statistics. Yeah. So it, it might a suburb may have gone down in the three month period, but of course, short term statistics are just not reliable. So you may see a, a negative, you know, minus one or minus three percent in a in a quarter for a suburb. But in reality, over the course of the twelve months, that's re- that recovers and it, it's not really. Mm. No, we're, we are certainly not seeing uh, prices go backwards. They've levelled, but um, we're still seeing it, it, the demand is trumping everything else.
0: Yeah, yeah, off the chart from what I'm, what you're you're saying. Mm. Mm, mm. Do you have any stories of of properties that have, you know, been purchased immediately pre-COVID, and then put back on the market post? recently and achieve I, a big result? I'll... That, that's a question without notice, I, yeah, I understand. Yep, yep. Yeah. The, the reason I've asked that is, I'll oh, Mel James. Mm. Uh, he told a story, and I, I, I'm i going to get the numbers wrong, but it illustrates the, the point. Same property, spectacular home, like really well renovated, same agent, $5 million pre-COVID and then what was it? I think it was eight and a half million dollars just recent. You know, that is like that, that to anyone living outside of the Western suburbs, that's just funny money. It's just like, you've just won the lotto.
1: It's a percentage exercise. I mean, I don't have any specific examples that spring to mind, but what I can tell you is the statistics around that five-year period, which is, you know, post COVID, just before and post COVID, uh, 30 to 40 to 50%, That that's real. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, you bought a, a, a property, you would have bought for a million dollars in, 2019 was probably worth 1.4 1.5 now. Mm, mm. So it's yeah that is happening mm,
0: yeah Now tell me because you know, when you think about when when us people from the, the south of the river like us people yeah you know us you know, tough people <laughs> um, When we imagine the western suburbs, we kind of imagine this this gentrified way of negotiating. Uh, that it's sort of different over in the western suburbs. Is that the case? It or is it? No, no,
1: no. Of course not. A negotiation is a negotiation, no matter where you are. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the people we deal with are, are business people, and they're used to negotiating. So it's no, no. Every negotiation there's there's no such thing as an easy one. But
0: yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. So so there's some sleeves rolled up. We'll get into oh, it, and absolutely, yeah.
1: No one wants to pay more than they have to, and no one wants to sell for less than they have to. So yes, it's it. Every negotiation is is hard.
0: So I talk to people dealing with real estate agents a lot and the, the common problem they have is getting their name on the title. They want the property, they make an offer. Uh, I had one very recently sent me an email, Peter, I've, uh, I've seen a bunch of properties, I've made offers over the asking price, I still haven't been successful, what am I doing wrong? What's your answer to that?
1: Hard one to answer because of the competition. We can't tell people what another offer is because quite often we'll be sending, setting a a marketing campaign or sales campaign and we end up having a, a tender. It turns into a tender. So all offers by a certain a certain date, certain time of date. So what you've got is, Peter, I'd like your best offer, please. Uh, and you might say, oh, what does it need to be? And I said, well, I actually can't tell you what that offer needs to be. I, all I need is your best offer mm. and you'll, I'll coach you best I can, but I certainly can't tell you what any other offer is. That's the rules of the game. Mm. So if they're missing out, it's because they're obviously, they're the underbidder. They're, they're not offering. And I must say, the last few years, I have had people saying to me in making offers, I'm aware that I'm paying above market here, but I'm not missing out again. Mm. And so you end up with a you know, one offer, which is spectacular. And it's because they've made three offers, they've been looking for 12 months, and they're not missing
0: out. Have you seen any offers um, like that where you've gone, whoa, they've paid a lot, a long way over where I thought it would. this property's worth? Yes. Tell me, tell me uh, without mentioning the exact details, just tell me, uh, it, give us a, a story in the, and I'll just get you to sit a little bit closer to the mic. Sure.
1: In the course of the last few years, 10% above the next best offer is not uncommon. Okay. So when you think of say two million dollars, someone's paying two, and someone's paying two point two. You know, at three million dollars, someone's paying three point three versus three. So you've got someone a buyer who is over it, just saying, "I'm here." It is, and that's common. And that is common. Mm. It's slowed down just recently. I would say last six, twelve months, not as not as often, not as frequent. But before that, very common. And mm-hmm. It was driving the market. Comes back to my comment a little while ago, which is supply. Supply is. Is hurting the market, so it's pushing price up. So uh, when I have people coming through home opens or, or taking through inspections, and they say, um, and they're just new to the market, they're like, "Oh, we think the market's going to drop." I'm like, well, good luck with that. Mm. No indications that I can see that that's going to happen.
0: They they could be right. We we just don't know. We we never pick COVID. We you know, there's just no way no way to know. They could well be right, but they could be wrong. That's right. Um, so you know. As as Clint Eastwood would say, are you feeling lucky, punk?
1: That's, <laughs> that's it. But they're gambling with a lot. Mm. So w- when they say, oh, I think it's going to drop, I'm like, well, that's what no. I mean. It. Good luck with that because the indicators that we see are not suggesting that, but it just might be the case. Mm. So yeah, COVID is a classic example. All the analysts, all the economists were saying, oh, it's going to tank by 30. It actually went the other way, 30%,
0: that is, went the other way. Mm. Mm. Like no one saw it. I remember going to a, it was an NAB or, or Westpac seminar, it was put on by the REWA and, uh, and the property council, one of those, it was REWA and one of those others. And, um, and all the analysts said, well, 2019 has been a year of consolidation. We think that 2020, there's indications that it's going to be a long, steady climb, You're just just nice and steady in an upward direction and then they said but there's this little thing called coronavirus and if you and you know and then it went on and you know we don't know what's going to happen and and from there buckle your seat belts up kids because it was a wild ride mm.
1: it sure was and you think about the sentiment around that too that time the sky was falling i mean no one knew what was really going on period if you our first lockdown 20 in april of 2020 The three to four months after that, all the sales that took place, you look back now and go, oh. Um, And if you're one of those people listening, I feel sorry for you.
0: Yeah, sorry that happened, yeah.
1: The market did dip, but the sky was genuinely falling. It was falling, yeah. And we hit this, and, and we just bounced. Bounced incredibly for no apparent reason.
0: Well, when you look back on it, it was thanks to the government just paying everyone's wages for three or six months or whatever it was. I think it was six months.
1: And the other major player at that time was money from overseas. A lot of expats from here, so Perth people or Western Australian people living in the East or overseas, buying via video, sight unseen. That was That, that made up a fair, a fair part of our market.
0: Talking about sight unseen, I made an offer on a property just yesterday or mm. the day before and uh, didn't want to, this is on behalf of a client. All right. Yeah. Uh, didn't want to risk the property going to market and... Facing the wrath of the hordes of buyers. Mm. And so we made a, an offer, site unseen, uh, just to try to take the property out of the market. Are you see, still seeing a lot of that site unseen action?
1: It's a different um, scenario. So the, the overseas or interstate buyers buying via you know, video link, basically, or you know, WhatsApp or, or via your iPhones, that was a different market to this one. O- off market sales, I mean, I, I do see off market, they're, they're not common, but they happen. I personally, as a selling agent, cannot comprehend why you wouldn't take it to the market. Unless there are privacy issues or there are extenuating circumstances, given the fact that there is incredible interest out there in almost every property, why would you show it and sell it to the first buyer? So sorry, Pete, about this, by the way. Uh, Why would you show it and uh, and sell it to the first buyer as opposed to taking it and and looking for the best buyer?
0: Mm. Yeah, when you can get a a property on on realestate.com, 90 inquiries, genuine. Yeah, why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you take it to the market? Yeah. It's absolutely, across the board. And pricing
1: real estate is rubbery at the best of times. Mm-hmm. You, no one actually knows exactly what, how much the market is prepared to pay for any particular property.
0: What, what is your take on, like you go into a market appraisal, um, what is your kind of, like if you could get it within 5% or 10%, what, what's your sort of margin for error?
1: Praising property these days has become a lot more general in terms of your pricing discussions because of that. So we, we, you know, we're talking low millions or mid millions or high millions as opposed to you know 1.2 to 1.3 because who's to say someone's not going to pay 1.4 for something that someone else will pay 1.2 for? Mm. It really is a, and that's the supply discussion again, right? Because of the demand, there's not enough supply. So the demand dictates the fact is we need to keep this very loose Mm-hmm. And I think you'll find that almost all through the Western suburbs, so, a lot of properties don't have a price at all when they go to the market. Drives the buyers; they hate it. A distraction. They, they, everyone, they, everyone, they,
0: hates it. they hate it. Yeah. yeah. And 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 they they're always calling. Like my first question when I call up about a property is, "What are you guiding on this?" And in most cases, I'm I'm given a you know a decent price gu- guide, but uh, some are incredibly off, out, inaccurate, <laughs> low.
1: We're looking for. a, Everyone's looking for a price guide. I mean, I, I was chatting about this with a, a seller just yesterday. If you walked into a shop and nothing had a price on it, you'd walk straight out. Sure. We, we live in a world where very little is priced mm. and we're hoping that people have a general sense of it. Well, in the markets that we're in, properties in the next street around the corner vary wildly. Mm. So people are working within a budget and they before they invest their time in, it, they want to know, does it sit within their budget? Mm. It's a fair question and I understand it. So I do like to go to the market with a general price guide, whether it's the low, mids or highs. Mm-hmm. Um, we might we might have a week on the market without a price at all and, and just gauge the genuine interest in the property, although we you know, we know it's going to, almost every property will have a lot of inquiry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but We give a price guide once inquired upon.
0: How does a buyer get their offer? Aside from price, how does a buyer get their offer to the top of the pile?
1: As clean as possible. So no finance clause, although most offers will have a finance clause. Mm. Um, but if it has no finance clause, that's attractive. Uh, the terms and conditions, timber, pest, and structural reports, are uh, almost every offer will have them. So there, there's no… That's there not
0: there really, are nothing, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, they don't differentiate offers. Um, if there's any unusual clauses, that's generally not going to work for the buyers. Um, it, it mostly does come back to the number because mm-hmm. um, the, the, the conditions don't vary that much. Um, yeah, it's, it's generally the price.
0: What are your thoughts about people putting time limits on offers? Yeah, good question.
1: Uh, I, I get this a bit. Uh, I suggest people don't do that. Buyers don't do that. And the reason I say that is because what you're trying to do is force the hand of the seller, and it's their property. I think most sellers want to make a decision in their own time frame. If you want to, what
0: if the buyers plonk down what they believe is a really strong offer? So well, you're guiding low threes, mm-hmm. and they come in. At all right, Jamie, low threes is probably gonna mean somewhere between three two and three five. I'm gonna offer you three five fifty or three six. Let's go with three six. <clears throat> but I'm not gonna sit here and juke it out with a bunch of, you know, other buyers. It's would that be a successful play? I'll give you three six, but I'll give you till five PM tonight to accept it or it's off the table.
1: So Peter, let's talk about that for a moment because what we've got is we've got both of the owners, let's take a scenario, both the owners work. So 5 p.m. today might be a little bit
0: Let's call it, let's call it, say what we're talking on Wednesday, I'll give you till 5 p.m. Friday, but if the home is opened, the offer's off the table.
1: Okay. So what I suggest you do is don't write that on the contract. Mm-hmm. You let me know and I'll let, the own, I'll let the sellers know. So because you can pull your offer at any time, mm-hmm. it doesn't need a time clause on there for you to actually say, listen, my offer's now off the table. You let me know it's Friday at five. I'll let the own, I'll let the sellers know it's Friday at five, and we'll have that discussion. It's an overly assertive move, in my opinion. Right. Okay. To actually put that on the contract.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And you know, it's a good offer. So we'd go and and of course, at this point in time, we'd have other interest. So of course, my job is to find out if that other interest is better than that price point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As I said, the conditions play a part, but mostly the mostly the price point. And if it's if it's great, and it's there's no other interest anywhere near it. Deal's yours, Peter.
0: Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so what you're suggesting is don't put it on the offer, but make it clear. Do you think that people, real estate agents would say to the, be thinking to themselves, they'd be saying, yes, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. But thinking to, to themselves, I think it's just a bluff. I, uh, I, I think if we roll past Friday at five o'clock and say to the the buyer, the owners have said they are very, very interested in, in what you're saying, but they just want a bit more time. Leave your offer live.
1: Well, they are make they are playing Russian roulette with a product that's not theirs to play Russian roulette with. So it's not their decision. It's the
0: seller's decision. So they What speak. if what if their offer was a was the offer that was ten percent above everyone else's? They're at three point six. Everyone else and, and and the sellers would know this. You would know this. You you you've been coaching the sellers at around about the the three two to three three. Someone comes in at three six and says, "I want it off the mark. I don't don't want it open. Otherwise, I withdraw." The sellers are now playing Russian roulette too, aren't they?
1: That's right. So it's and it is their decision. At that point, we are asked for our opinion and our recommendation. And in the, what you've just described there, we you've moved the goalpost slightly. Uh, with the decision you've just described there i would suggest they take it
0: yeah right okay the buyer would need to have a strong offer though yes that's right yeah you, you if you were just just in the mix it would be okay don't don't try and yeah
1: double negative
0: yeah yeah you know if if the if the property was on buyers over 325 or or buyers over 32 and somebody came in at 3250 yeah, don't don't kid yourself mm. yeah, okay
1: Every situation is different. That's the thing, and that I will say, experience does count in this business. It's you, we've seen a lot of things. We've been around the block a number of times. So you see it. You look at it. You look at the circumstances. How many people? How much inquiry? How much genuine inquiry? Uh, you know, sales evidence. What's happened? And you know the sales evidence too, right? So every every sale has its own story.
0: Mm. Talking about the sales evidence, Jamie. You as the real estate agent have all all that sales evidence available to you. And you've, you have a very nuanced view of that sales evidence. You, you, you've probably been through a lot of the, the properties that, that have sold. You've driven past them. You, you live in the area, all that sort of good stuff. So you've got a very nuanced view of the market. But the buyer also has all that information too through things like RP data and, you know, wherever that, you know, you can buy the, that sort of information. Has that leveled the playing field at all? Has has it changed the dynamics of the market? It has to a point.
1: So we're there representing the seller. The buyer knows we're representing the seller. We're there to get the best result we possibly can. So there's the sales evidence and then there's this property and where it's going to end up selling. And that does come down to how many other people want it, Mm. where it sits in the market, how long ago those other sales were, did they actually see those other properties? Because what you've got is there's... There's data and then there's interpreting data. So I can go to you know, 100%. any number one of those sites and look at everything like any buyer can and go, I can make a case for a lower price point mm. if that's what I want to do. It's like a whole Google thing, right? If you you can support your view no matter what you want it to be, just go Google it and there'll be someone supporting. Same goes with pricing real estate. Mm. I can find the three sales that support my point as opposed to the other five, which actually don't. So yes, it, it's a case of putting it through the right filters. To get the result,
0: RP Data has a thing called, I think it's called IntelliVell.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's only a matter of time before someone takes some action there. I, in fact, I had an overseas buyer who I've been dealing with on and off for probably five or six years, and this was a couple of years ago now. So it's actually the, the story's a little older, but the premise stays the same. They'd sent me an e- and language is a bit of a um, there was a language barrier, so the communication wasn't ideal. The they'd sent me an email saying yes. We'll, we'll sell for the right price. And there was a, a an auto valuation of 2.6. And in my mind on that property, which I knew, I thought, you know, what's a high ones property. I thought, but how am I going to actually deal with this? So what I did, wow. I went to- The
0: Intellival came in at, AutoVal came in at 2.6 and you were thinking high ones.
1: I went right. to five different AutoVal sites and I got a range of 1.6 to 2.6. And yet people are bringing them into opens and inspections and showing you the, the auto valuation reports. And as I say to them, it's not worth the paper they're written on. Mm. If you want to get a real valuation, get a real valuer through the
0: place. Mm. That, is a, that is a big difference, isn't it? That? It's yeah.
1: scary how, how different it is and how readily available they are. And institutions are using. It's fundamentally not right.
0: Mm. Mm. From here, where, um, where's the market going? Where's it? Well, where's it going in the Western suburbs?
1: The Western suburbs will continue to be strong.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, I think we will see the interest rates haven't had that much of an impact. Um, it, it's the demand supply discussion, which I've mentioned a, a few times now, uh, you know, labouring the point because that's what's driving it. And I don't think this is going to change. We're not building enough homes. We've got more people coming in than than we can cater for. And in fact, I think the other discussion point is rentals. Um we are there's a serious uh, crisis in rentals, and I don't think that's going to be solved anytime soon unless they legislate you know, Airbnb or, or they you know, encourage people to rent out bedrooms in houses that are, you know, are vacant. They need to do something pretty drastic to change it because we've got a five, ten, at least ten year lag of properties. So that's going to drive the rental side of things. We're already under one percent vacancy rates, where, and we've got people that are trying to legislate against uh, you know rent the rent caps and so on. That that, that won't happen, but you, you can't encourage overbidding mm. on properties well we're not over we're not encouraging it it's just happening naturally it's yeah. a, it's a market that's that's got its own life mm. so the rental side of things will uh, will continue to be tight um, and the sale side of things while demand is there and nothing will change because we're if the aspirational area of perth or one off of course is others but we're just talking about the western suburbs while that's the case it will continue the demand will be there we'll continue to see strong pricing mm. And And by the way, we're still considered cheap by eastern state standards.
0: 100 percent mm. yeah if you compare the western suburbs, even the best parts of the western suburbs mm. against the, the, the better parts of Sydney and Melbourne, they, we, we get seriously shaded. Mm.
1: In, in fact, I was just in Sydney recently and I was looking at how much premium real estate they have, how much harbour front and oceanfront land they have, and prop- and cliffs, there is so much capital in Sydney real estate mm. We've got a dozen suburbs. Mm. So We've got our premium suburbs are are small. We don't have many of. Them.
0: Mm-hmm. Exciting days ahead, sure are. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be very interesting. You know, the, the the government have tried to put a, a lid on the on the uh, economy, and uh, from all accounts, it's kind of working. But there's still just a lot of positivity in the economy. which, which is fantastic it's it's great that you know we're finally got a re- reason to smile uh, again after those lean years from 2015 2019 Jamie you're a, you're a wealth of knowledge i've known you for a long time and you always have been if somebody is looking to buy or sell in the western suburbs how would they get hold of you
1: just give me a call i mean I'm a real estate agent. I'm very easy to find.
0: <laughs> oh, classic. And do you want to share your uh, mobile number or do sure. you want to just keep that a secret?
1: No, no, it's, uh, no, it's certainly no secret. <laughs> 0413 9962.
0: Well, uh, Jamie, thanks again for coming in. Really good to chat and uh, keep up the good work over over that side of the river. My That's pleasure. Important. This has been uh, another episode of the WA Property Q&A podcast. I'm your host, Peter Fletcher, and uh, until next time, best of luck. And that wraps up another episode of the WA Property Q&A. We hope you found our discussion valuable and gained some valuable insights into the world of property buying in Western Australia. Remember, while we strive to provide useful information, it's crucial to consult with the appropriate professionals before making any investment decisions. Don't forget to tune in next week for another exciting episode where we continue to unravel the mysteries of the WA property market. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. Until then, happy property hunting and remember to seek the right advice for your personal circumstances. Thank you for listening.